What is up, guys? Welcome to the Tony and Dakota podcast. Today is going to be a little bit different, but really cool. This is Kyle Rogers. He owns First Shield Defense here in Fort Wayne, not even very far from our office, really. Like, probably drive there in five minutes. And uh, he's teaching people about self-defense. Previously, before that, though, he was a military guy. He was into home security. Uh, he he does some work with uh, aircraft as well, some aircraft maintenance and that sort of thing. And uh, we're going to be asking him all kinds of questions about uh, his experience in the military, self-defense, family relationships, that sort of thing. This is Kyle Rogers. Welcome to the show, man. Hey, thank you so much. I appreciate being here. It's, it's that nice setup you have. Thanks, bro. I like it. Appreciate you. Yeah, for sure. So uh, usually we try to get a little bit of an idea because, like, this is so important for people to hear. Uh, everybody is just a kid from somewhere. What was it like for you growing up? Where did you grow up? So um, I actually grew up down south in Texas. Texas is home for me. Uh, and, you know, growing up, I was pretty much always outdoors, hunting, fishing, camping, hiking, whatever. I mean, anything outdoors. I loved it. Uh, and, you know, growing up down there was 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 really nice. There's a ton of experiences I've had. I kind of grew up all over Texas. We moved around um, some. So is it close uh, to Frisco at all? So after I got out of the military, uh, my family and I actually moved to Denton, which mm -hmm. is about, I don't know, 30 minutes away from Frisco. Nice. Um, and the company I worked for down there had a base in Frisco as well. So I would go into Frisco every single day. Nice. So and then I'm a huge Cowboys fan. So that's where the star is now. Haven't been to visit yet, but I really, really want to. That's awesome. Yeah. And how how was life too? Were you like well taken care of? Did your parents, did you have like a good family environment? Like were your parents split? What did that look like? Yeah, so great question. Um, my, my parents got divorced when I was very young. Like I don't even remember them being together. Uh, and so, you know, I grew up with two sets of parents. Um, and over the overall family dynamic was really good. Like I, I was very lucky in, in how I was raised. Uh, and so, you know, going back home to Texas, trying to see everybody is sometimes a little bit of a struggle, but, um, you know, just because there's a lot of people who want to see you and see the kids and all that kind of stuff. But yep. yeah, I, th I think growing up, like, you know, the, obviously there's people who had it a lot worse than I did. So I'm actually thankful I got that experience because it kind of molded me into how I am as a parent today. Yep. Was it like, uh, was it you, would you consider yourself like middle class, poor? Like, what do you think? Uh, ooh, great question. So I'm not poor at all. Like, and if, if we did ever struggle, my parents didn't let me know about yeah. it, you know? So I would say middle class, lower middle class, maybe. Okay. So. And what did they do? Uh, so, yeah, my stepdad um, was a, or I'm sorry, he still is a baker for uh, a very well-known bakery in Texas. Wow. Um, my, my mom, she is in finance. She's in accounting. Uh, my, my biological dad, uh, for a long time, he was in the oil industry. He worked at an oil refinery for quite a long time. That's pretty big in uh, Texas, right? It's very big in <laughs> Texas, yeah. Uh, and then my stepmom, she was a, a, a high school science teacher. Nice. I like it. So uh, I remember as a kid watching, uh, I think it was like Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Love it. Then I watched Rambo. You Love know, it. Solid. Like I saw these, like basically it was like a military movie. I mean, Predator wasn't technically a military movie, but right. they still had like 
they were sent in on a mission and yeah, that sort it was of like thing. a theme yeah. and i would like draw like the really muscular guys with the guns and that sort of thing and so i think sometimes like young boys growing up fantasize about being like a military type guy did you have that same fantasy or like what led you into deciding to join the military well it's kind of relevant that question now because a movie just came out uh, on Friday, Top Gun, mm-hmm. Maverick, right? I haven't seen it yet, so if you have, please don't tell me about it. <laughs> um, but growing up, I mean, Top Gun, that was the movie, you know? I'm uh, 36 years old, and so, like, you know, that movie came out, I think, in 86, I believe. So, you know, during the early 90s, mid-90s, that's really when I started watching it, and, and when I saw it, I'm like, I want to do that. Like, I want to be in the military. Um, and also, you know, my family comes from a, a, a decent lineage of military service uh, and public service as well. So I, I felt that, you know, uh, I felt that calling to serve my country. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, after I got out of high school, I tried college for a couple of years and determined that, you know what, I think now is a good time. Mm-hmm. So... Wow, and then what branch did you go into? I was in I was in the army for okay. about six years. Wow. Yeah. And then were you? Did you go in active or did you go in? in yeah, I did. I did. I I went straight active duty the entire wow. time. Uh, I was a crew chief on the OH fifty eight Delta Kiowa Warrior. It was a scout reconnaissance aircraft. Um, and I'll be honest with you, uh, a lot of people call it the Cadillac of helicopters because of like how smooth of a ride it was. And plus, those pilots, they they love getting down and dirty with you know the ground troops with that aircraft. It's oh. it was really cool. So you you were a pilot? <laughs> no, I wish. I was like, <laughs> no. you gotta fly the helicopters. I was like, dang. Well, I I can. I have flown them several several times. Wow. Um, but uh, not not a licensed pilot. No. Hmm. Like when we would have you know maintenance uh, test flights. You know, the, the, the test pilot and I would go up and we'd do our thing and I'd get some stick time. It was fun. That's awesome. It was good. Have you ever flown a regular plane as well, like had the stick for a regular plane? No, I haven't. Um, and I have some friends who, you know, uh, like growing up, my, my dad had friends where, you know, they had their own airplanes. That, that's one of the towns I grew up in was a very, very small town and just farmland all over the place. So naturally, the small airport there had crop duster. Yep. And so, um, you know, well, some of my dad's friends had those small little um, uh, the small little aircraft and we'd go up every once in a while, but I, I never got my hands on the sticks. Well, I, I wish saying, I did. I heard, uh, I heard the helicopter is way more difficult though than like a regular <laughs> plane. So, I mean, that's, that's what I've heard. I will say that the inputs on the helicopter, there's a, a lot more coordination that you have to deal with. Yeah. That's awesome. So, uh, Thinking about the military, what are some things that people have wrong about the military? What are some things that you wish that people knew? And then for you, what were the best and the worst parts? Ooh, that's a really good question. You made me think on this one. Okay, so what are some things that I wish that people knew about the military? Um, or just their perception is off? or like. So, yeah, I, I have a really good answer for you. Um, I... I wish that people knew that just because someone was in the military doesn't mean that they're an expert at X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, just because someone was a military police officer doesn't mean that they are the know-it-all of mm-hmm. military as a whole, right? They're, they are experts at their job for that specific context. Um, like for me, you know, being a firearms and self-defense instructor, people just automatically assume 
that just because I was in the military, I am an expert at what I'm doing. Well, that's not, this shouldn't be the case, right? Like I, I personally feel that uh, if, if you're going to give any credence to any sort of um, certifications I have, like I need to show you, I need to be able to demonstrate a, um, the capability of, of, hey, this is why I'm an expert, not just tell you that I am. Is that, does that make sense yeah. at yeah, all? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, it, there's evidence of that too. Just some folks graduated with a degree in exercise science. I have a degree in exercise science, but that doesn't mean that they know anything about like nutrition, exercise, that sort of thing. It means they took anatomy, human physiology, vertebrate physiology, and they passed the classes, like maybe not even in the four years they were given, it might take them six, you know? <laughs> yeah, certainly. And I, I feel like that's a, a, a certainly good parallel to military life. Um, you know, the, the, the training I got in military was, was very good. I mean, there's a reason why the United States military is top in the world, right? Uh, it's because of the training that, that they have available to you. Now, um, when, we're, when we're talking about the transference of skills, you know, a lot of people have a difficult time um, uh, transitioning over to civilian life because, you know, civilian and military, uh, even if this, if it's the same job, is it's different. You know, whenever I got out of the military, I went straight into a civilian air, or a, a civilian aviation job, and uh, for about two or three months, I was like a fish out of water. You know, just trying to control everything and essentially yell at people when they didn't listen <laughs> that doesn't work very well <laughs> so what what were the best and the worst parts yeah so i i think the best was the relationships that you maintain throughout it you know i mean there i i still talk to a a good portion of the guys that i served with you know one of my, one of my best friends uh i i saw him for the first time i don't know in seven or eight years uh last summer and it's like we just picked right up where we left off you know um but that's that's i would say is, was the best was meeting people and developing that lifelong bond that no one will ever take away yeah. ever uh and the worst was probably the um oh man how hard do i want to go <laughs> uh <laughs> I, I i think well you know losing some friends that was probably one of the worst um, aside from that, you know, the, the way that the military operates, there's things I didn't like about it in terms of like, you know, we, if you had a, a formation at six o'clock in the morning, well, you had to be there at four 30 because so-and-so said sort of thing. And you'd stand there for an hour and a half, sometimes a lot longer, um, just because. Wow. So that's, I mean, that kind of stuff, it always irritated me, <laughs> yeah. you know, getting, getting treated like a child when you're, you know, 30 years old, it's not very fun. Yeah. So with uh, with somebody like you, um, I feel like uh, you're very much like, OK, like logical. And like you said, like uh, very you don't just take somebody's word for anything. Like, so how did you uh, um, do like whenever people like, you know, their rank above you or whatever, and you knew that they had no idea what they're talking about and they're telling you to do something, even though it makes no sense. Like, was that difficult for you? Because that's like the most difficult thing for me is like whenever I think about the military is you have to listen to the officer whether or not they're right whether or not they make sense the only reason that you have to listen to them is because they've been there longer it seems like like what what, what was that like for you 
Yeah, so great question. Um, Have you been thinking about investing in real estate? It's not like what you see on HGTV. We created a course to show you how to really invest and create a profitable flipping and wholesaling business. We give you marketing strategies like how to pull lists, who we target, and where we find the money. We go over sales, which includes live calls and negotiations, scripts, role-playing, and so much more. Everything that you need to know to flip houses is in this course. And if there's anything that we missed, we will create a video to answer your specific question. This knowledge has made us over a million dollars and we're selling it today for just $997. Click the link below. I'm very uh, logic driven and process oriented, right? Um, when I would have uh, a superior um, person tell me to do something, I almost always did it. I don't think I, I ever disobeyed a direct order ever, you know, because I mean, look, I mean, you have to look at the nature of my job too. I was a helicopter mechanic. Yeah. Right. Um, so I would do what they said. And eventually over time I learned that, okay, they're going to, they're going to tell me to do this. I'm going to go ahead and jump out in front of it to give them maybe other options to, uh, to, to go down. Right. Yeah. Um, and aside from that, uh, there's, there were a few times when I did what I was told to do, knowing the results, even though, you know, the results weren't going to be bad. I just, I knew the results going into it and I still did it. And that gave that person a learning opportunity because you have to understand, you know, especially when I was a non-commissioned officer, uh, <laughs> you're, you're going to have people who are younger than you. Um, have higher rank, you know, that's yeah. kind of how officers work, right? I mean, you, you'll have a 22 year old second Lieutenant come in and he's technically your boss. You gotta, you kind of have to, uh, listen to what he says and, and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yep. Anyways, uh, you know, he would, this, this person would tell me what to do. I'm like, Roger, sir, got it moving on it and we'll get it done. That would give him a learning opportunity when it failed. Yeah. So it's, and I, I, I believe like that's, that's a good way to help people learn is by, um, helping them fail. It's actually like one of the, one of the things we say in my classes all the time, like failing is a biological, biological requirement for learning to occur. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of how I, I approached it. Did, did most people in uh, the military take uh, personal responsibility? Because like, even in that instance, I, I see normal people still blaming you even if it's them that told you to do that exact thing and you accomplished it exactly how they say, or did, is there more accountability in the military, would you say? Um, great question. I think it really depends on the type of leadership that you have. Fortunately, the leadership that I had uh, was, they were very direct and on demand. And so the accountability aspect was very prevalent. However, if you went to a different uh, troop in our, in our squadron, you know, uh, there were there was no accountability, and they all that troop also would perform very poorly under stress. Mm -hmm. So I I think that you know accountability is a direct uh, there's a direct link to how your leadership is. Yep. Was the lowering lower uh, like person ever allowed to hold the upper person accountable at all, or were you not really allowed to be like, hey, like you're the one that told me to do this, or like was there any like are you allowed to kick back at all and kind of let them know like, Hey, you told me to do this. Yeah. So no, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> not at all. Um, essentially how it worked, at least with, with the troop that I was in, you know, if, if let's say, uh, a warrant officer or, you know, one of the first or second lieutenants, if they told you to do something 
And if there was any pushback from a junior enlisted, then that junior enlisted would get in trouble. However, uh, like I said, I had really good leadership. So my direct supervisor, my platoon sergeant, uh, had his hand in everything that his guys did, and, you know, his guys included me. So when an order would come down from the top, my platoon, my platoon sergeant would be like, that's dumb. We're not doing that. Because he had the time and experience and the rank to, like, go to these officers and be like, sir, respectfully, kick rocks. You know, <laughs> like, we're not doing that. So, wow. um, yeah, and, and, you know, that dynamic is just, it's not, you can't do that on day one. Right. You know, like, that's that's a, a gradual shift that occurs throughout, you know, that relationship. Yep, gotcha. What's the greatest lesson that you learned while you're in the military? Oh, man. From the military. Oh, man. The greatest lesson. Uh, I can't. Ooh, I, I don't know if I can answer that one. I will say that one of the lessons that I, I, I learned that I still apply to this day is um, having everything prepared and being on time. You know, when I'm not on time to something, oh, it drives me crazy. I hate it, you know. But um, uh, and also, you know, being able to to track accountability like i'm i'm very big into accountability even you know for my instructors for my family like you know i I want you to progress and the only way to do that is to hold you accountable both you know when when you do something wrong and when you do something good yeah so the thing about accountability we've talked about that a lot actually is it always seems like uh, accountability also has expectation then and so how do you balance expectation with like uh like especially when you talk about family everything like uh I want to explain this in a way where it's like easier for you to answer, I guess, because I always think of accountability and expectations, almost the same thing. But then sometimes when I hold people accountable, then I have expectation of what they're supposed to and then they don't do it. Then I get upset. Then I'm not as happy. Then like if it continues to happen, then I want to just cut off that relationship. Whereas if I had no expectation, then I can actually like freely let them do what they want to do or whatever. And I can feel happier. And so like I'm trying to always balance that. Like how do you balance that or what do you think about like the differences. Yeah. So I, I personally feel that, you know, you know, even with my kids, you know, if I, if I give them some sort of, um, responsibility, then what I'll do is I'll put that responsibility. Like, let's say it's, you know, uh, doing the dishes every single day, right. For my oldest, that's one of her responsibilities. I know that she can do it. Um, cause she does it very, very well when she doesn't do it, then obviously there's some sort of, um, misstep that I took as a parent, you know, cause I'm obviously yeah. responsible for her. And so what I look for is immediate remediation, meaning, you know, what happened today that you didn't get this done and how can we prevent that from go- How can we prevent that from happening again, going forward? Yeah. You know? Um, so when, when something good or bad happens, uh, well, I should say when something bad goes wrong or maybe a plan doesn't go according to um, like how I wanted it, it to go, I immediately look at my expectations first. Like, okay, my expectations were X, Y, and Z. Why did this not happen? Like, you know, um, you know, was it, was, was I being too overbearing with it? Am I being unreasonable with this request or whatever? Um, and then, you know, I'll talk to, uh, you know, whoever that person is and, and get their input on it as well. And if it needs to shift, it needs to shift. You know, um, it's, it's, it's a dynamic relationship that, you know, should have open communication. 
Yeah. Do you do you do that with like uh, your significant other, with your wife, or like with them as well? Like, okay, here's my kind of my expectations for this relationship, and I'm going to hold you accountable to these things, and then always adjust as that goes, or is that something like you don't do in like that relationship? Uh, good question. So, you know, my wife and I have been married for uh, 14 years now. Wow. And so, yeah, <laughs> crazy. That's 14. Um, but you know, our relationship has been for a long time. Uh, you know, there are, it's understood that, you know, I have my certain roles, she has her certain roles and, and we're going to, uh, we're going to knock those roles out, whatever they are. And if we need help, we're going to ask for help, you know? Um, and when something happens, when something goes wrong, cause in, inevitably it will, then, uh, my wife is actually really, really good at setting me down and be like, Hey, how, how can I help you do this? Because this isn't going to work sort of thing, you know, whatever that re responsibility was. Yep. Um, so yeah, that, again, that open line of communication, super important. Yep. I always think about like not wanting to control people, but then also like still hold them accountable because like, I don't want them to do what I want them to do. I want them to do what they want to do. But then like, I also want to hold them accountable to what they said they want to do. So it's like trying to figure out how to not control the person, but then still help them accomplish what they want to accomplish or what they said they want to accomplish and trying to, you know, figure both those out is always the difficult part for me. Right. I mean, certainly. So, you know, I, I tell my kids all the time, you know, actions have consequences whatever those actions are they're gonna have consequences good actions good consequences bad actions bad consequences and so when there are bad consequences uh for whatever they did then you know what we do is again you know we we try to help them um find that path to correcting what happened and then put, maybe putting things in place where it's a little bit more difficult for them to make the same mistake again yep gotcha so uh are you interested in like personal development, podcast books, that sort of thing? Yes. Uh, what is one that you would recommend that everybody read Ooh. or listen to? Book, podcast? Um, I mean, honestly, I, I have read uh, Extreme Ownership probably six or seven times. Like, no lie. Wow. Um, it's, the, the reason why I like it is because of, you know, the comparisons that Jocko and, and, and Leaf make uh, to the military side versus uh, the civilian side. Um, and I, you know, in, in with my business, I was able to, um, to use the principles that they have to help offload stress on me, you know, that way I can focus on what I'm really good at. So uh, extreme ownership for sure. Um, podcast, listen, <laughs> um, I, I, I do drive an hour to Fort Wayne six or seven days a week. Wow. Um, I mean, I, I live obviously an hour away, so mm -hmm. I get a lot of I get a, a lot of car time. Um, my my main podcast to listen to it's not really self development, but um, it is very informative to me, uh, and it's Meat Eater. Do you all know what that is? Mm -hmm. So it's it's a hunting and con uh, conservation podcast. Uh, they've got a show on Netflix too. Um, it, I don't know that, that to me is like, again, that's what I grew up doing. So yeah. that really speaks to my core of, of what that podcast is about. You might vibe really well with our friend Jake. He's all about like conservation and that sort of thing. And, Love it. But, uh, what's funny too, is you're kind of close to where we grew up. We grew up in Kendallville. Oh, nice. Okay. And, um, so we're just like, it, it's almost like you 
came from the south and ended up where we grew up and then we moved a little <laughs> bit further south to Fort Wayne but you're still like really close to us which is funny like yeah. we just ended up in the same area were you at Ligonier yes okay that's correct nice so uh you you have because of your uh business you have to be in a martial arts what is your favorite martial art and then what is one that you feel everyone should learn great questions uh I, 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 I think my favorite one, oh, that's such a hard question, man. Um, <laughs> I would say if I could choose one to do every single day, it would probably be Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Mm. Uh, that to me is an excellent foundation to self-defense. Uh, and your other question was what? One you feel everyone should learn. So I'm not sure if people consider wrestling a martial art or not. Um, however, I, I think that wrestling would be an excellent one for people to learn. There's, I mean, we're in the Midwest, you know, there's, you can go to school and wrestle like where I grew up No, man, like you're playing football, you know, which was great. I love playing football. Um, but, uh, wrestling would be, would be my other recommendation. If you have wrestling and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, like if you're really good at those, you're going to be a monster. Trust me. What do you think? What do you think the worst one is? The one that like everybody thinks is a big deal, and then it, it's not actually <laughs> helping a whole I, lot. I like this question actually. I didn't even put this question <laughs> down, but some of those fake gurus kind of pissed me off. So <laughs> yeah. Well, do you follow McDojo Life on Instagram? Or you, you heard Just about like him? The funny, like he does spoofs on stuff. Mm, yes and no. Uh, so McDojo Life actually shows um, people who think that they like there's a guy the other day who the video showed him like oh i can control the clouds oh yeah we've seen those you know um so it's stuff like that then obviously those will be the worst the worst ones but um i personally feel that you know if i'm if i'm sending myself or my kids to a some sort of martial art then ideally i would want to stay uh i would want to stay away from like taekwondo mm -hmm. right um, or I'm not my kids, but myself, right? I, I, I personally believe that maybe Taekwondo is really good for uh, character development, you know, um, the um, um, self-discipline aspect. You can get kids moving and, and create good foundations there. But, you know, um, I, I believe that people hold too much value on their black belt um, that they got when they were a 14-year-old kid. Yeah. Right. Um, I've had some people come into our class and who would who would be in that same situation and I would put them into a small little scenario that was, you know, maybe the stress levels were low and everything was controlled and, and they would just freak out, mm. you know, I mean, they're used to the tournament mm -hmm. style of fighting. I'm I don't we don't train that way. Like I don't train to gather points and stuff like that. Um, so I'm not saying it's like the worst. I'm just saying like for me personally, if I'm going to go train somewhere, I'm not going to train Taekwondo. Yeah, yeah. that's funny. We, and uh, the, the Taekwondo guys are good at like distancing and timing. They're hard to fight because they move in and out really well. Yes. But, you know, they they make contact with you and you're like, oh, that hurt. But that didn't like disable me. <laughs> like I'm still going to be able to push you into a corner. So unless we're fighting in an open field, yep. like with a Taekwondo guy, I'll eventually be able to put him into a wall and then it's wrestling again. Exactly. Yeah, that, that clinch fighting aspect, that's really where we make our money. So when I have someone new come in, especially if like it's a private lesson, we are working clinch fighting, essentially wrestling, you know. 
um, because the majority of fights are actually pretty much all the fights. They're going to be in that short, that clinch distance, you know, zero to three feet away. Yep. So I want people really good at protecting themselves in that range. What do you think uh, about the uh, military uh, defense? Like, what would you rate that as? Or like, what did you think of that? Because like, I have like a lot combatives. of guys. Yeah, because yeah, I, I see a lot of guys who like, you know, some of them like go really far, like in like boxing or like, like kind of some sort of wrestling and stuff. And those guys are like really good. But then like, what do you think about like, let's say the basic training, not the guys that really are pushing, because obviously you got some professional fighters there too. Right. Um, yeah, great question. So I, I, I was in the Modern Army Combatives Program and you know that was that was really like my first experience with with ground fighting um you know we learned just you know basic stuff you know escape from mounts um how to how to hip escape you know how to achieve the clinch like all just basic stuff uh it was a nice entry level into combatives and um i i i think that for for what it is it's it's pretty good you know and in in my opinion you know and and Keep in mind, like I'm a civilian now, not military. So, in my opinion, like if I'm if I'm building that curriculum for the military, then I'm going to uh, do my best to make the best use out of that training time. Because not every unit cares about combatives at all. <laughs> you know, the one that it, the one that I was in, I think maybe we did it a couple of times. It wasn't until I moved to another unit that that's real. Like that unit cared. A lot about combatives so i was able to get a lot of exposure that way does it um, change like based on like what your profession is like infantry or like i would say so yeah like, i mean you need, like with with my job i mean with where i was at i was stationed in alaska you know oh, wow. and yeah uh good experiences and bad experiences up there for sure but uh you know it the unit that i was in it was in alaska um i was in you know i was in the aviation unit so there were things that I wanted to do that probably wasn't going to happen. Like I really wanted to go to airborne school. Bad wasn't going to happen, you know, because of budgets and all that other kind of crap. So, um, but yeah, I, I think the modern army combatives program, uh, for what it is for, for that context, it's, it's, it's really good. Good. And then for weapons defense, you specifically, what do you do? Is it, uh, a lot of people have said Krav Maga is like the, you know, like the jujitsu of, weapons defense do you guys mimic that or like what do you do specifically for weapons defense yeah so i am thankful and blessed to have been a part of uh several different types of 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 weapons like you know weapons-based combatives over the years um and myself i am a i mean if anybody cares i mean it's it's cool to say i guess i'm a level two instructor uh, for Nomad Krav Maga out of Las Vegas. And so that Nomad Krav Maga curriculum is what we teach at First Shield Defense. And so in terms of weapons defense, I, I think that uh, that Krav Maga, um, the, one, the, the curriculum that I have is probably uh, the best in my opinion. Uh, and also the, the other affiliation that we have is Integrative Defense Strategies out of Minnesota. That's what our Apex Concealed Carry Program is. They have a weapons defense system as well, uh, which is also top of the line. You know, uh, I've I've trained in other Krav organizations that uh, I would say that their weapons defenses are unrealistic. You know, like the Detroit 
the dude. Come on, man. That's not, <laughs> what's his name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you seen that guy? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, my gosh. Man. He just shows some stuff that it's just like, come on, man. Like, yeah. what do you, like, if you grab the gun here, then you can rack it back, and then it won't fire, like. That's not real. Well, it's pointed at you still. That's not real at all. Like I've that's seen, I have seen them too, where they're like, uh, they're like, um, all right, now back up. They're like, okay, well, don't back up so fast, man. Just give me a second. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's pretty much what it is, you know. And and you know the way that we train is, if you have to be, if you have to do that, then that technique's not going to work right. at all. Yeah, you know, like you're as an instructor, like I am dealing with extreme consequences for not only myself but for my instructors and my members right uh those extreme consequences being life and death yeah so i don't want to teach someone something that they can't do um or maybe the technique is just so bad like obviously i'm not going to teach you that you know so you probably live in an area that's safer or safe-ish do you still have like a camera system oh yes and then what would you recommend to people just for general security and safety around your home your personal home yeah great question so uh general safety and security i would say uh one of the easiest things that you can do i'll tell people this all the time is and really no matter where you are as soon as you get into your car lock the door no matter what easy to do i mean you get in you obviously make sure your kids and that and that kind of stuff are in the vehicle first <laughs> but <laughs> get in lock the door it's very very it's, it's something that you can do every single time takes little effort um something as simple as locking your door is a is a good barrier for uh against you and and a possible attacker you know there's abductions happens all the time so that's something as simple that you can do also around your home as well uh, there is, you know, people talk about putting like those three inch long screws into the hinges on your door. That's a good one to do. That way your door is not going to be broken down as easy. Uh, you put it in the hinges and also on the little, uh, latch on the door frame where your handle or where your, um, your, that thing goes into doorknob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, the last thing I, I guess would be, um, you know, have an emergency plan. You know, if uh, if something, if someone were to break in, if there's a fire, whatever it is, have a plan. Talk it over with um, your family if, if you have one inside your house, and um, you know, rehearse it. And if you have questions about it, that's why I'm here. <laughs> it's to help you out. Yep. So what what is your business then? Because I didn't get a chance to look into it at all. What is your business? Is it like uh, you know? Uh, security systems or like you know training for self-defense or is it all the above like do you sell guns like what is it yeah so what first shield defense is it is a modernized approach to mma in the context of self-defense as a citizen defender right uh, i don't sell guns um i that'd be cool if i did though. that's what i was like i thought yeah. i thought you're gun like you sold guns no no i don't um and as a matter of fact in where we train there's no firearms allowed okay. at all um we do still train uh with uh, with training pistols though and i've got one here to show it to you if that's cool sure yeah yeah, yeah. So what we use is called a CERT pistol. It's S-I-R-T. So it looks it, a lot like a Glock. Oh, it's exactly modeled after a Glock. So that's okay. it's a Glock 17 um, replica. Wow. Um, this is this is what we train with all the time. Now, what what's nice about this is it has a functional trigger that's got a mm. laser on it. So and also a removable magazine as well. Wow. 
Um, and what's nice about this is, you know, we can train very, very safe with them, which means our training can be incredibly dynamic, right? We did a drill last night called the figure eight drill, where you've got two points about, I don't know, 15 feet apart, and you're just walking a figure eight pattern around those points. And what I'm doing is I've got targets set up around the room, and I'll call out a number on the target, and you have to assess where it's at first, draw your gun and shoot. Mm. You can't do that on a range, yeah. you know? Um, we So, we you know, we'll teach you basic fundamentals of safety with it. We'll teach you how to shoot it, how to draw from concealment, how to keep it in your holster if someone's trying to grab it. Um, I mean, man, just everything that you need to know, like that's that's what we use these for. And those are probably like not cheap. So the one, this one specifically um, is about $300, maybe 350 or wow. so. Uh, the other ones that we have, I think, two fifty or something like that. Can I hold it? Oh yeah, right, that's, sure. that's why I brought it. Pick the thing up. Oh my gosh, it actually feels heavy too. Well, the flashlight <laughs> probably makes it most. Heavy, a little right? bit, yeah. I mean, Put a flashlight. It you can pull the trigger. It's not. It's just I a know, laser. Be funny. I just lasered the <laughs> lasered the camera. There you go, guys. <laughs> It actually can does you rack feel. it too? No, that's that's the one drawback is you can't oh, okay. rack the slide. Um, but we still simulate it, and when I go to the range, I have zero problem racking the slide on my handgun. Does that say SRT? Yes, SIRT. Oh, SIRT. I thought it said yeah. SRT like, like a uh, dodge. Yeah, yeah, like a dodge. <laughs> I was like, oh, I know SRT. I think that mag release is nicer than the actual one on the Glock. It is. So like my mag release. So nicer. Yeah, my mag release on my Glock does not stick out as much as that one. Do you, do you pull back or do you push the gun forward when you rack? Can I show you? Yeah. Cool. Are you letting deals fall through the cracks because you don't have good systems in place? We've been there before and we've tried several different CRMs and RE Simply has been the best. RE Simply tracks your KPIs, does automatic follow-ups for you, and even records your incoming phone calls. The system is simple to use and has more features than we even know what to do with. If you're looking for a great CRM, try RE Simply today. We put the link in the description. Check it out now. So when I when I rack the slide, what I do is I keep it in tight so that way I have a little more power, right? If I do it all the way out here, there's, it's not good retention of the gun, meaning someone can come from my blind side and like take my gun away or more likely to. So I keep the gun in, in close. I, you know, um, uh, it has a lot more retention capabilities there, and I'm a lot more powerful close than I am out far. So what I do on my uh, on my firing hand, my, my right hand, is I'll punch the gun forward, and I will go over top with my support hand and grab it like this. This is called the power stroke. I'm pushing with my right hand and pulling with my left, just like that. That's how I rack the slide. Okay. So He's not pushing forward then. Yeah, well, kind of. No, he's you're pushing like this. Yeah, but he's letting go. Like, so yeah. what, what uh, you're talking about is like taking this and then pushing it. No, forward. no, no. Oh, oh, this, I no, I'm just talking about goes his technique. backwards. Oh, yeah. there. Because I know uh, I was just talking to uh, uh, my dad and his wife were figuring out how she could effectively rack the slide. Yeah. And she's not as strong, so she was trying to pull it back with two fingers, yeah. and that wasn't working for her. And then they're like, well, just push the gun forward while you hold on to the slide instead. Yep. And then that worked a lot better for her. I don't even think about it. I 
just got into guns maybe two or three years ago. Okay. Uh, because somebody got really crappy about us sending them a letter about buying their house and was like going to come to my house or oh, something. Man, that sucks. So then I was like, well, it's time to get a gun. You know, <laughs> previously I had not trained at all. Yeah. And so uh, everything that I've learned, you know, has probably like cringe been from YouTube or something. Yeah, that's what know? I was going to ask is where did you learn that from? Was that a military technique or? Oh, the, the power stroke? Yeah. Um, no. So it was actually, I don't know. I One day I was just, I started doing it. And that was then validated by uh, other instructors that I had too. You know, so I used to when I lived in Texas would go hog hunting, and uh, from a helicopter. No, I haven't oh. done that one yet. I wish I could. <laughs> um, but I would use uh, I would use a handgun uh, sometimes, and you know there was a we used a uh, I think it was a Beretta possibly I forget now anyways I remember you know back then when I was you know 16, 17 years old I would have trouble taking it like this and 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 cocking the gun with two fingers like you said earlier and so eventually i just kind of figured out like well i can get more real estate more surface area on the top of the gun like this and i, I could really you know rack the slide that way so i just started doing it um and then as i would get more training i would have several instructors say this is the proper way to rack the slide i'm like cool thanks for letting me know <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> So uh, a common one that I'm sure a lot of people probably asked you uh, that sometimes I get too is like, well, uh, what security tips would you give to women? Because women are uh, typically uh, more easily victimized. You know, men are a little bit stronger, a little bit bigger on average, and uh, they're more likely to get raped, more likely to get attacked and that sort of thing. What uh, advice would you give to women for um, carrying a gun, should they carry a gun? How big should it be? Cause a lot of women have purses, but they don't always have them on them. And then, uh, what, what advice would you give to them as far as self-defense? So the, the, one of the first things I tell women when they come to my class is, you know, it, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's sort of like normal for women to grow up um, learning to be respectful to, to men, no matter what, to just like be submissive to them and all that kind of stuff, right? We don't want to be insulting to your spouse or you know any other man or whatever. Um, I I would say you know if you are there's a healthy balance of respect versus just kind of being prepared to defend yourself. So instead of you know letting people push you around all day learn to stand up for yourself respectfully and what type of gun to carry. I mean, it really depends on, you know, uh, what your hand size is and, you know, how many rounds that you think that you want to carry and all that kind of stuff. So uh, one of the, one of the nice things about 2022 is there are many firearms choices to choose from. Uh, we actually have a very, very good relationship with ZX guns here in town. They actually sponsor our events. Wow. Which is really nice, That's you awesome. know? Yeah. And so one of the reasons why I chose to seek them out for, um, for sponsorship is because of the way that they sell their firearms. You know, they, when a woman walks in, they're not automatically going to reach for the pink Ruger LC nine, you know, just because they're a woman, uh, they actually have that conversation with them. Hey, what are you using this for? Are you going to carry it? You know, how many rounds do you want? You know, let's get a different, let's get several different firearms to see what's best for you. 
Do you want an external safety on it? All that kind of stuff. Um, so those are the type of questions that I would ask uh, anybody if they came to me asking for uh, their um, for, for a preference on a firearm. Now, in my opinion, for self-defense, I want to figure things out as little as possible under stress, right? That's a big reason why I personally carry a Glock. So with the Glock, it does have uh, internal safeties on it to prevent it from firing. But as soon as you draw that handgun out, it's ready to go, right? And that's that's why I carry a Glock. I don't want to, be, to have to worry about, uh, you know, an external safety on it. I don't want to rack the slide before I can fire it. None of that stuff. So um, that's what, what the, are the safeties that it has? Um, so there are, there's, there's one, and you're testing my knowledge on this one right now too, which is great. Uh, there's one right where the trigger guard is, and there's another one right where the um, the hammer is as well. And then on on a normal Glock, there's a little bar mm -hmm. where the trigger is. Mm -hmm at the very very end that you have to that you have to press before that trigger will come backwards gotcha. so then it's highly unlikely that you know if you snagged your clothes or something like that, that the gun would go off because of the, the safeties um i would say your your term of highly unlikely would probably be inaccurate and here's re here's the reason why i say that so when people come to my class we have a few mandatory rules. Uh, one of the biggest is when you reholster the cert pistol, you're going to look the gun in the holster every single time, no matter what. That's a mandatory rule. Here's the reason why. Uh, a lot of times, um, and this happened maybe two months ago now, um, there was like when you go to reholster, there can be something in your holster that can pull the trigger and will shoot you're going to shoot yourself. About two months ago, there was a guy on the range, and his shirt got caught in the holster, pulled the trigger, and he shot himself right in the butt cheek. Mm. So, no, to answer your question, no. Like, clothes can make your firearm go off. Wow. Yeah. Well, and uh, Glock is considered kind of like the Toyota Corolla of firearms, right? Like, you're supposed to be able to just throw it in the mud, pick it up, and shoot it. Like, historically, they've been able to take a lot of abuse. Yes. And they're fairly relo reliable. And then uh, something else I was thinking about. Oh, I I carry without one in the chamber, which is a little bit. Some people are just like, oh, man. Yeah. Why Why would you do that? <laughs> so why do you carry one without one in the chamber? Uh, just because of my lack of experience. And, okay. That's uh, fair. Skills. Set yeah. And that I sort do of thing. the same thing. I, I have mine. <laughs> it's in my car. Out the uh it's uh, the, mags. The, mags. Yeah, the mags outside of it. <laughs> I have none in the chamber, so I'm like, like everybody's like, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna run back to your car, put that in there? <laughs> like, Rack, like, yeah. well, I'm it? really just like, I only really pull it out whenever we're like going to an area where it's more likely. Obviously, we're like, hey, there's a situation that's happening here that's like. We run into a lot of situations where you should if probably have a gun. If we're going into a vacant house, if we're going into a vacant sure. house, and we're just like, dude, sure, uh, this looks sketch. Yeah, certainly. I mean, when people tell me that they don't carry with with, with uh, a, a round in the chamber, I like to ask why. Um, and you know, in in my opinion, uh, the reason why I carry one in the chamber is because you know I feel comfortable enough to be able to draw and not shoot, right? Uh, and you know, I also don't want to think about racking that slide when I have someone in front of me. Because here's the thing, um, seven, about 75% of the time in a defensive shooting, 
the attacker, they're at that uh, average range of uh, of distance, and that attack is going to be anywhere from zero to nine feet. Wow. So. Yeah, you don't have a lot of time. I'm not. I'm gonna have. I'm actually gonna be very, very, uh, very behind the eight ball. You know. Yeah. I mean, you have to think about reaction times. You have to be. You have to think about. You know, in terms of what their decision making process is at. Like they're already ahead of me. You know, they've already made the decision to attack, and here I am trying to play catch up. Mm-hmm. Not only mentally, but like physically as well. And so that's why we make a very big uh, emphasis on integrating hand to hand skills with the firearm yeah so uh how important is the second amendment in case people don't know the second amendment is your right to bear arms right after the first amendment um what how do you feel uh about the way that things are being you know like uh i feel like people mess with the constitution now a lot so i'm a big supporter of the way that the constitution was written how important is it to have weapons and why do you think we need guns great question (laughs) great question so um i am a constitutionalist myself uh i think that you know the second amendment is there for a specific reason uh it's not there for self-defense it is there to protect the american people over corrupt governments Mm. um now that obviously the second amendment does translate to your personal protection so i think that if you start introducing any sort of restrictions on that then you are eliminating the equalizer that you know someone may have over an attacker um you know if if we're talking about like you know if if it's let's are you married anybody married in here we were (laughs) <laughs> cool. <laughs> so we're asking you for relationship advice. Earlier. Love it. Okay. So with my wife, I'll, I'll just, I'll take that. So with, with my wife, if she were to go up against you without a firearm, without any sort of self-defense options, she, physically she would lose because, you know, she's smaller, uh, weaker than you. That's the fact, right? However, if you give her a firearm, that now is going to equalize the playing field. It's going to, I'm sorry, it's going to level the playing field for her. And so when you start taking steps to restrict access to that, then you're potentially creating more victims than you would otherwise. Good deal. So with your, with your self-defense business, do you, uh, did you get into it because it was a hobby that you loved and something you were passionate about and that sort of thing? Great question. This is, and I love this answer too. Um, One of the big reasons why I started down self-defense down that rabbit hole was because, you know, I realized that, you know, just because I was in the military doesn't mean that I was prepared for everything. I had that, I had that, that mental block in my head, like, ah, I was military. I know everything, you know, sort of thing. I, I can defend my family. I, I, I carry a gun, this, that, and the other. Like, I got it. I'm good. Well, <laughs> uh, thankfully, I've not experienced this personally. However, uh, I think it was about five or six years ago now, my, one of my friends sent me a video of an attack that happened on a street, in, on, a, on a public sidewalk in broad daylight. So there was, uh, it was a CCTV footage. There was a, uh, a, there was a guy with two kids walking towards the camera the the camera was pointed directly straight down the sidewalk 
guy with the two kids was walking towards the camera and i'm not sure exactly how much distance was like how far away they were but at the bottom of the screen you started seeing this person walk towards them and as more their body was appearing on the camera uh you saw it very clearly that this person had a knife and so this dad sees it and just freezes and what he did was he you had kids on both sides and he put his hands in front of his kids to stop them great love that it's a good reaction to have but that's all he did he i don't i don't know what i don't know what he was thinking but he was ultimately killed in front of his two kids and i don't remember i don't remember exactly what happened with with that attacker i don't know any more any more any other details nothing like that but you know that image still sticks in my head to this day when i saw that video i'm like man what the heck would i do in that you know you know like there were other people around like do i draw my gun are there you know am i going to hit somebody else if i shoot like there are so many what if questions to that and now with as much training i have I still kind of freak out over that because, I mean, that's obviously a scary situation to be in. Mm-hmm. I've got a wife and four daughters, man. I mean, whew, that's that's already uh, um, an experience in itself. And you get someone walking towards you with a deadly weapon. I mean, you, you better know what you're doing. You better have um, practiced this over and over and over so that way you can best manage that situation. You know, the the variables of, of violence are unrepeatable. So not every not every attack is the same. So you have to be able to uh, recognize those patterns very, very quickly and make that decision. When, when it's time to go, it's time to go. Do you think that the business uh, is starts to feel more like a chore at times or like more like, uh, you know, uh, something something that you still love and you're still passionate about or is it at times you're like oh man this is my job like you, you're still like kind of a slave to it or do you feel like you you're kind of outside of that and you're able to look at the business and work on it from the outside um, and then I guess you could talk a little bit about the structure too because you said your primary job takes care of the bills and that sort of thing yeah so this is sort of something on the side but do you uh, is it a labor of love? And then sometimes it's just a labor. <laughs> um, so, you know, this, uh, the, the first shield defense mission, it's community, um, you know, the, the curriculums, the outreach that we do, it's all my passion. You know, uh, it's something that I truly believe that I was born to do this. I was born to protect my family. I was born to protect other people. I was born to teach other people what I know. Um, and so when it's, when it's that, uh, when it has that kind of effect on me, it's not really a chore. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some aspects of it that I have learned to love. <laughs> I will certainly say that when I first started, I hated, um, I hated the marketing piece. You know, I was, I had no experience in that. So I definitely had to learn what that looked like and, and learn how to do it. So, uh, but and and now it's like it's a fun challenge to do stuff that I previously didn't really enjoy because I mean you're always learning something with it. Yeah, I say it's always. Uh, I always tell people whenever you have a situation like that, if you create it to be something that you have to do, because like 
You know, whenever you become an entrepreneur, instead of like somebody telling you, hey, go do this, it's more like, okay, you know what you have to do, but then you have the choice of whether or not you want to do it. Yep. So it makes it a lot more difficult. So what I do is I tell myself like, you know, everybody thinks that, you know, we're just great at social media and stuff. And then we do this. like, no, like we usually challenge ourselves. Okay. we got to post at least five times this week. That's because like we told ourselves that we're going to do something. And for some reason, whenever you make a goal like that, it makes it easier. So if you're like, okay, I'm going to market, you know, this many times or I'm going to do this. Now it's just a checklist. And then uh, like you try to do that same thing with like anything that's more difficult for you to do, you know, and it's okay to be like regimented, like same thing with like date nights. Okay. I'm going to have at least, you know, three date nights with my wife or whatever, you know, this week where I'm going to have three meaningful conversations. And like, I found that whenever I create uh, goals like that, it makes them easier to actually do. So yeah, and just that, that, you're absolutely correct. So I mean, when I first started, I was like, I just want to coach, I just want to be an instructor. That's it. You know, I quickly found that, you know, if you if you only pay attention to one aspect of the business, then it's going to fail. Yeah, you know, you have to be uh, you either have to be involved in everything or you have to um, delegate certain roles to other people, yeah. you know. Uh, and so thankfully, I've got I've got a, a really good team who, who who helps me out, you know, like next week, I'm going to be gone for the entire week doing a TCCC class down in uh, Indianapolis. Uh, TCCC, in case you don't know, stands for Tactical Casualty Care. T tactical combat casualty care sorry stands for something yeah oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know it's just it, it, it's learning how to apply immediate first aid under fire under stress right and so thankfully i'm able to go down to, and and be gone for a week and it's gonna be business as usual wow which is great yeah that's awesome you know and and that's that's uh, kind of leads me into like a small little segue into the next thing is you know with with how we are at first shield i it's a mandatory um, rule where myself and the instructors, we go get training every single year, no matter what, mm -hmm. there are other people out there. Um, some of them local that's just, they get a certification and they're done. Yep. Right. Well, when we first started this podcast, one of the first things I said was, you know, the consequences of what we're doing is extreme. It's life and death. Mm -hmm. So if we're not constantly trying to evolve and trying to get better ourselves, then we're going to be teaching outdated information to our members and they deserve more than that, you right. know. Or you could have taught them more because like, you know, sometimes it's not even just outdated information. You could have just taught them more or something that could have even helped them even more, like done it faster, better. Maybe they get maybe they save their life or like their life is saved, but now they're hurt because of it. And you could have showed them something else where they didn't even get hurt at all. So yeah. that's always like, you know, you talk about some big consequences. We talk about the same thing a lot about like college. You know, people go to college. They're like, cool, I went to college. I'm good. I no longer have to learn. And like, it's interesting because like we think that education is like a lifelong thing, no matter what you're in, because it is always evolving. Things are always changing, or you could do more, which will impact other people, which will have a ripple effect and hopefully make the world a better place. So yeah, yeah it's always like, that's always a difficult thing. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, if somebody wants to join, do they just walk on down to state? Is it state state street? street yeah. And uh, walk in the front door, like wave a knife around or something. <laughs> please, don't, <laughs> please don't do that. <laughs> get tackled and dis you, yeah, you'd, you'd probably get, yeah, immediately. you would definitely get a front kick to the face if you did that. <laughs> no way. Um, but so, I mean, if 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 anybody wants to uh, to join, if they want to try out a free class or whatever, then yeah, they can they can always come in when we're there. Uh, we have classes during the evenings during the week, and then Saturday morning. 
and then you know they can obviously they can find us on social media too so, so they should google first shield defense that's right uh is that the same instagram handle yes and, and facebook? facebook that's right okay cool are you guys anywhere else or i nope that's about it okay yeah Got any business phone numbers or emails? Yeah, we do. So um, the phone number for that is 260-267-5220. And uh, email is Kyle, that's K-Y-L-E, at firstshielddefense.com. Awesome. What uh, What is your biggest struggle right now? Um, Man, I and this has been going on for a little while. Like my biggest struggle is trying to figure out how to turn on the light bulb to people, you know? Uh, there's such thing as uh, normalcy bias. Um, people are stuck in their ways. They are um, used to the same routines. And if that routine does not, uh, there's no stress to that routine. If there's no like um, avenues where violence can be in, you know, then they're stuck. They're, they think that they're immune to violence. Well, unfortunately that's not the case you know evil has existed since the dawn of time and it will continue to exist uh, we believe that everyone has a basic human right to self-defense that's why we have classes um for that's why we have our krav maga classes and our apex concealed carry class because some people don't want to carry a gun some people do we got classes for both so batman <laughs> <laughs> so trying to figure out you know how to turn the light bulb on to people you know is you know Hopefully you never do get attacked, but if you do, how are you going to respond? Is That's the biggest thing, is, is getting people to, to realize that. So just because just because you carry a gun does not mean you're ready at all. There's a, there's a, there's a famous saying um, in our industry. It's, you know, if the only tool that you have in your toolbox is a hammer, then everything is going to look like a nail. So if you only carry a firearm and you only train with a firearm once or twice a year, then under stress, you're going to reach into that toolbox and you're going to draw your firearm and use it when you're probably not legally allowed to. Mm-hmm. Could have just push kicked him in the knee. <laughs> 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 so uh, we always ask everybody this. This is a deep question. Let's hear it. It's the final question. Uh, 60 years from now, you're dying. You're on your deathbed and you have like a billboard or uh, a mantra, a paragraph, a sentence. It's your final message. It's your legacy. What would that message be? That message would be to treat everyone with respect, no matter what. Be a good human. Help your help your neighbor. Help your community, and um, you know, just that's that's a good question. That's a deep <laughs> question, uh, and I, I don't want to leave it there either. You know. Um, continue or be be that way be respectful everybody help build that community and also pass on your knowledge to other people passing on knowledge is incredibly important you know i know that we have um a lot of technology now that you know can store information but i mean one day that could all be gone Mm -hmm. and so that tribal knowledge is definitely going to be a big thing so pass on what you know awesome i like it well, thanks again for coming on, man. It was awesome meeting you. Thanks for bringing the gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the, the first uh, uh, gun that was ever on here. Oh, it's kind of well, a gun. Well, it's a fake gun. It's a yeah. gun, but it feels real. It's heavy. So <laughs> thank you guys for watching. We appreciate it. We'll see you on the next one. Peace out.